Reading this morning, our scripture comes from Psalm 90, a, a prayer of Moses. Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting you are. <clears throat> you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. You are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Our days may come to 70 years or 80, if your strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only you, we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that you do. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Hello and uh, good morning. Such a joy and such an honor for me to be here today to share uh, in the word of God. But before I do, I would like to thank your pastor, my good friend, Michael Lam, for this wonderful opportunity given me to speak. I'm so happy to have swapped puppets with him today. He will be speaking in a short while at our church, Mountain View Evangelical Missionary Church in Didsbury. Now, I wonder, how many of us here know what a bucket list is? For those of you who may not know, a bucket list is a collection of goals, dreams, aspirations, and things that you'd like to do or accomplish before you kick the bucket. The term bucket list became popular after the debut of the 2007 movie entitled The Bucket List, where Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson both dying of cancer create a bucket list of things to do before they die. And they went on to accomplish them one by one. The list included skydiving, racing vintage Mustangs, and seeing all the seven wonders of the world. After they accomplished the items on their bucket lists, they ended up discovering that what gives them the greatest joy are not the selfies or selfish, self-centered items on their bucket lists, but the things they took for granted like a meal with family or a time spent with loved ones, creating shared experiences. I was curious, so I googled the phrase bucket list and found some interesting wishes from other people, like the individual who wants to be baptized in the River Jordan and another who just wants to stay awake in church. 
a gentleman who wants to crash a total stranger's wedding and then stand up and object at the ceremony. <laughs> a senior who would like to go bungee jumping and an enthusiast who would like to take a hot air balloon ride across the city. Others listed more significant themes like reconciling with a family member or finding one's purpose in life, showing acts of compassion and kindness to others, and spreading love and forgiveness, caring for friends and family, making lasting memories with them. Now, what is the moral of the story, you ask? Well, I'm so glad you ask. <laughs> I share this story because it illustrates well the big idea of our message this morning. It rightly presupposes the frailty, fragility, and uncertainty of life. If you think this story is about the bucket list, you are missing the point. This story reminds us that we are all mortals, irrespective of our socioeconomic standing, our influence, affluence, or lack of. One day, we shall all kick the buckets. And when we do, what will matter that day is what we did for God and not what we accomplished on our self-centered bucket lists. The message that I bring to you this morning is entitled, Number Your Days. From Psalm 90, verse 1 to 6, and then verse 10 to 12, which we area read together. And thank you, Bill, for reading our text. Moses, in our text, talks about the frailty, the fragility, and the uncertainty of life. I hope his lament helps us to reflect on the vanity, emptiness, and hopelessness of life without God. But before we get into the message this morning, could we take some time to pray together? Let's pray. God, our eternal Father in heaven, we thank you and we honor you for you are such a wonderful God. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace that you bestow upon us Thank you for your faithfulness. Even when we are unfaithful with you, you still remain faithful. We commit our time together in your word. We ask that you may lead us and guide us by your spirit. May you cast light on our passage, our scripture this morning. Open our eyes to see revelation and our ears to hear the gentle voice of the Spirit beyond the voice of the preacher. 
May you drive this way to our hearts and may we be changed from glory to glory and from one level of grace to the other. May the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight together with our meditation on this passage of scripture. In your name we have prayed and somebody in the house said amen. amen. Thank you. In this message, I would like to answer three questions. First, what does it mean to number our days? Second, how does God teach us to number our days? Thirdly, what wisdom do we gain from numbering our days? First, what does it mean to number our days? For those of you that are writing, that is our first point. What does it mean to number our days? The historical setting of our text is probably best understood by the incidents recorded in Numbers chapter 20, where Israel's rebellion provokes the wrath of God and judgment, resulting in an entire generation not making it into the promised land, except for Caleb and Joshua. Consequently, Moses saw the passing of an entire generation of people because of the Lord's judgment and wrath, including his sister Miriam and brother Aaron. You see, saints, Seeing so many people dying right before your eyes, including your own relatives, would make almost anyone think seriously about death and the meaning of life. So like any man, Moses is overwhelmed with grief and sorrow. And so he despairs for his life and that of the children of Israel. He prostrates himself before a holy God in the meeting place and lets out a lament before him and worships. In his prayer, Moses says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Which speaks of security, rest, and refuge. And then Moses contrasts God's eternal nature with man's fragility. And then he says in verse 12, So, after all this lament, so Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And that is a prayer that we all need to pray. Teach us to number our days, so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The question remains, though, what does it mean to number our days? Numbering our days is not the ability to count how many days we have lived on earth, or to predict how many days we have left before we die. Numbering our days means having a sense of our own mortality 
and realizing the frailty and the brevity of life. It means recognizing that we have a set amount of time on this earth. It means realizing the shortness of life. It means not thinking so highly of ourselves that we live with a false sense of immortality. It means knowing that we only have so many days on this earth, and therefore we want to seize the day. Living each day with eternity in mind, valuing the time we do have left on earth, and using it for eternal purposes and to the glory of God. Because our days are numbered, we want our days to count, to be effective, to be meaningful, and to be productive, to God's glory. Not that we could uh, inflate our ego. Look what I have done and achieved. But that God through us may be glorified and that his kingdom may be advanced. Since we all need to ask God in prayer to teach us how to number our days so that we could be good stewards of our time on earth. You see, saints, life is so short and fragile. We must handle it with prayer. We must live it out for the Lord, meaningfully and productively. In light of eternity and the fear of the Lord, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Remember, it is appointed for man to die once and after that, judgment. Which brings us to our second question How does God teach us to number our days? God teaches us to number our days through his word, the Holy Scriptures. When you read or listen to the Bible often, you will gain more wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to live life wisely. Like the sons of Issachar, who understood the times and knew what Israel was supposed to do. 2 Timothy and chapter number 3, verse 16 to 17, affirms all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Psalm 119 Verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And in verse 105 of Psalm 119, the Bible says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, the word of God is a guide, a light, a lamp, Unto us as we try to navigate our way through the clutter of life and the darkness of this world. 
You read the word of God. You study the word of God. You listen to the word of God. You listen to a sermon being preached like this. Your life will never be the same again if you apply what you're reading. You see, we don't read the Bible or preach the word of God for a show to show you how eloquent we are or what we learned in seminary. The reason we preach, the reason we read the Bible is that we may become better people, be changed, be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. One songwriter said, I would delight in meditating on and obeying your word so that like a tree firmly planted by the river, I may be grounded, rooted, and established in the Lord's, bearing much fruit in and out of season. So if you delight in obeying God's word and are led by the Holy Spirit, you shall bear much fruit. But remember, you can't bear much fruit unless you abide in Jesus. John chapter 15. Because most of us are very good at producing stuff and doing stuff. But we forget to abide in who? Christ. To believe in him, to trust in him, to dwell in God's presence, seeking the face of God and the will of God for you, for your family, for your community, and for this church. That's why we burn out, because we go out there to do things without abiding. Remember to abide. God teaches us to number our days by reminding us about the brevity and shortness of life. Verse 6 to 3 of our text says, You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, all sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new, but evening it is dry and withered. Moses is right. But David affirms what Moses said in Psalm 39, verse 4 to 7. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. That should be your prayer, that should be my prayer. Lord, please, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. It's like in a twinkling of an eye. Just like that. You are gone and forgotten. Like you never existed. He continues to say, remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows, and all 
our busy rushing ends in absolutely nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Not in what I've accomplished, not in what I've earned, not in my money, not in my family name, but my hope is in you, O oh Lord. God uses suffering to teach us to number our days. David, like Moses, is painfully aware of the shortness of life as brought home to him by his suffering. He prays that he might learn the lesson of his suffering well, as well as the frailty of life. You see, saints, it's so easy to forget the lesson as soon as our suffering is over and to revert to the mindset that life will go on for a very long time to come. David prays that God would constantly remind him about the fragility of life. That should be our prayer. We should ask God to remind us and to teach us to number our days and to always remember that life is fragile. Especially when we are swimming in success and prosperity. That is the time we need to remember that our days are numbered. Because this will help us to keep ourselves in perspective, knowing that one day we will all kick the buckets. And trust me with that. I've read my Bible, so I know what I'm talking about. We will all kick the bucket. Can I hear somebody say amen? <laughs> so be it. That's what that means. But once we kick the bucket, we will be held accountable for how we lived our lives on this side of eternity. And that should scare the wits out of each one of us. Because we will be held accountable. In a parable of the rich fool, Jesus tells of a rich man whose bands were too small to contain all his grain. He broke them down and built bigger bands and packed all the grain inside and then he said to himself in Luke chapter 12, verse 19 to 20, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this, is, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? I believe that Christ tells this story obviously to make us realize the brevity and shortness of our life. Hopefully this will help us use the little time we have left more wisely and for eternal purposes. Preparing for eternity with God. God reminds us about the brevity of life through bereavement and funerals. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 2 says, It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Beloved, it is true. 
You learn more at a funeral house than at a feast. After all, that's where we are all going to end up. When God takes away loved ones or other people that we know, it makes us see the deceit of this present age and the vanity of all things under the sun. It reminds us that we shall all kick the bucket one day. From dust we came, and to dust we shall return. Dust to dust and ashes to ashes. But scripture says, blessed are those who die in the Lord, for they will rest from their labor, and their works do follow them. First Corinthians chapter 15, 58 would say, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Your labor on earth is not in vain. It will follow you if you are in the Lord. During the resurrection at the last trumpet, we shall all put on immortality and then shall be fulfilled the saying which says, Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Which brings us to our last question. What is this wisdom that we gain from numbering our days? Verse 12b of our text would say, teach us to number our days properly. And yet comes, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. A heart of wisdom is a heart that learns that life is not how much we can earn, achieve, or experience in our few days of life under the sun. But by believing and trusting in Jesus for salvation and walking in the fear of the Lord. According to scripture, the fear of the Lord, which is to hurt evil, is the beginning of wisdom. Those who have been taught by God through suffering like Moses and David to number their days correctly know what is truly important in life and what is merely insignificant and have their priorities set in order knowing that our days are numbered. As I land the plane now, how would you invest this day if you knew it were your last day on earth? Silla. Stop, ponder, and think about the implications of that statement. And don't take a step further until it sinks in. It sinks in. How would you invest this day if you knew it were your last day? What would you say to your family? What will be your last words to your friends and your neighbors? I hope you will take some time to evaluate your values. 
your goals, your motivations, and your convictions in light of eternity. I hope you would ask yourself a question like, what do I want to see happen in my life before I kick the bucket? Because now it's eminent since you know. Is God first in my life? Is God first in your life? Am I living for self-gratification? <clears throat> Do my goals go beyond health and wealth goals? Do I care about leaving a godly legacy when I die? When people mention my name long after I die and the forget-me-nots have withered, what reputation or legacy will come to their minds about me? How would I like to be remembered? I hope you'll be remembered like Enoch, <clears throat> who had a testimony that he walked with God. David, a man after God's own heart. Abraham, a man of faith. Ruth, a woman of great reputation. And finally, like Dorcas of Joppa, in Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 42 for your generosity. I hope, and this is my prayer for you, <clears throat> that you will be remembered for your kindness, your compassion, your thoughtfulness, and your loving and caring personality. At the end of the day, that's what will bring glory to God. Not how many cars you had. Not how many affluence or how much affluence you accumulated while here on earth. But doing the will of God. Walking in the fear of the Lord. Abiding in Christ. Bearing much fruit to the glory of God. And somebody said? Amen. Let's pray. Eternal Father in heaven, our prayer after listening to this message is that you may please teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In Jesus' name we have prayed, and somebody said amen. Thank you, and God bless you.